Thursday, July 27th. It's great to have you here. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show on Damon Bruce Plus. Welcome. Every single day I sit down and I see the conversations that are happening in the chat before I even get here. And it feels like every day now there's a new name, a new regular, and that's fantastic. That means it's growing. I can't wait to see, hopefully, all of you on August 5th when we get to Victory Hall for our first ever Plus Crew meetup. It's on Rich Street starting at 3 o'clock, and uh, we'll be promoting the hell out of that. I even have a little uh, Eventbrite sign-up sheet so the good folks at Victory Hall know approximately about how many people are interested in coming to this so they can staff it appropriately, and we can figure out how much of the ganja jar we need to bring with us for when we all sleep outside to be cool uh it is really good to have you here thanks so much for stopping on by once again and we got some things to talk about today that are uh important things i guess passing of the torch moment feels like it's it's kind of happening you know every single season just by definition of it being a new sports season comes with rookies there's always a new class there's always a young guy there's always a young gal making their debut across sports uh, at all levels of sports there's always a rookie class you gotta love rookie classes some of them definitely mean more than others there's no doubt about that um and the impact that rookies have, you know, varies team to team, coach to coach, draft class to draft class. It's 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 always natural to get excited about a rookie. And then you start learning. All right. Is this excitement well placed? Well, I tell you, if you're placing some excitement about the new rookies that are emerging throughout the Bay Area, just the Bay Area. It feels that there is like officially a passing of the torch happening. One team more dramatically than others. But let's just start with the fact that we're getting close to a football season, right? I think that there are two rookies on the 49ers that are going to impact this season. Like take through their own play a game from a loss column into the win column or with poor play, take a game that would have been in the win column into the loss column. And it's easy to start with Jair Alexander, who was a third round pick, but the first pick the 49ers were allowed to make in last year's NFL draft. He's a safety out of Penn state. And even though the 49ers are stacked at safety, this guy's just stacked as a player. I think he's going to be on the field. I think he's going to be out there making an impact. I like uh, Jair Brown. An awful lot. Jair Brown is someone who um, is just pops off of tape. He really does. He did, at least when I was watching Penn State games last year, uh, six interceptions, I think, led the team. And he is he's a real good player. I think Jair Brown is going to be given an opportunity to make this team better with significant snap counts. But he's probably not the rookie that's going to mean the most to the 49ers on a game-by-game, quarter-by-quarter basis. That's going to be their kicker. Jake Moody, their rookie kicker, stepping into the void of Robbie Gold. Boy, those are big shoes to fill. You know, counting on Robbie Gold to make that kick usually came with a historical amount of success. So an awful big burden is going to fall on a rookie kicker in a year where the price of poker is officially all the way pushed into the max limit room for the 49ers. There is but one goal for the 49ers. That is to appear in and win the Super Bowl. Got to do that with a rookie kicker. When you look at the Golden State Warriors, I mean, my position on Trace Jackson Davis is pretty well, you know, 
made. Everyone knows that uh, I'm a fan of him for a couple of reasons, but I really think he's going to be a big part of Steve Kerr's rotation. My stance on him, again, very well documented. It's because I'm familiar with him, and we even you know, just got a small glimpse of him in Las Vegas, but I was impressed by that small glimpse. He was the same player that I saw his senior year at Indiana, which means he's going to be an impact. He's going to be someone who helps win more than one or two games, I think, this year for the Golden State Warriors. I really believe that. Now, when it comes to Brandon Pajemski, I don't know. Look, to me, he's one massive question mark, and I'm not sure it's fair to say that he will definitively answer that question in his rookie year. I think it's going to take a little time for him to learn the speed of the game, the size of the game. Um, He looked overwhelmed at times in summer league. He was touted as a shooter. We didn't get much shooting out of him, but he did see the court well. What he is as a defender is going to be tested every single time he's out on the court. He's an easy point of attack for any offense to consider, so we We will see what Brandon Pajemski is able to contribute. You know, the Warriors, I'm not saying that there's a passing of the torch because we all know who still holds the torch. It's Steph Clay and Draymond, for goodness sakes, along with Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney. They're the torch bearers. But it really feels like for the first time in Steve Kerr's tenure as a coach, there could be a rookie to hand some significant minutes to. And I don't think it's going to be their first round pick. I think it's going to be their second pick, uh, second round pick, Trace Jackson Davis. Then when you really want to get to an example of rookies changing a situation for a better, look no further than the San Francisco Giants, who last night, even though he yet to record a hit, he hit the ball hard. You could hear it off the bat. People are going to hold that against me forever on Joey Bart. I know they are. Ah, A little sip of the day. Um Trace Jackson Davis, again, we're we're off of him. We're talking about the Giants now. Um, Marco Luciano, he made his debut last night with the Giants, took an offer, but, you know, good to see you, kid. Welcome to the show. Got a standing ovation on the way to and from his first home plate appearance. Welcome to San Francisco, kid. Fans are excited to see you. Hopefully it all works out. Uh, Luis Matos, obviously, Casey Schmidt, Brett Wisely, Blake Sable, all rookies who have made an impact so far. Uh, The best rookie we've seen since Buster Posey is clearly Patrick Bailey, and I'm not just saying that because he's a catcher too. This guy has proven himself to be more than special early in his career. And when it comes to this rookie class, we might see it grow here because there's a very good chance that Kyle Harrison or Carson Wisenhunt might actually get called up this year, if not one, maybe even both. So we have yet to see the contributions end from rookies and a couple we might not even have met yet. That's how interesting things are with the Giants rookie class. So we got rookies a popping. Rookies are popping across the bay. I like it. Hopefully you like it too. Um, One guy who is definitively not a rookie is Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, Not a lot of time spent highlighting defensive plays unless they're, you know, straight up web gem level catches in the outfield or a guy specifically robbing home runs. As a matter of fact, I don't think either of Mike Yastrzemski's plays last night will make the highlight reel on SportsCenter if they're actually still showing highlights of San Francisco Giants games on SportsCenter. I don't know. I I really don't watch much anymore. But Mike Yastrzemski last night saved about 180 feet of base path success from the Oakland A's just the way that he played two balls hit to him. 
It's easy to look at Yastrzemski and say, well, he's either going well at the plate or he's not going well at the plate. So Mike Yastrzemski is either up or down. What he is as a defensive player for the Giants is significant, especially when he's out there in right field. Uh, He played a ball hit off the wall deep in triples alley that is normally a stand-up triple. 80% of the time, he played that into a double. He also kept a runner at first with another way he played a ball hit out to him, and he took a double away from an athletic last night. So he robbed an A of a triple. He robbed another A of a double, and Yastrzemski even added some insurance late in the game with a deep hit out to the same alley, which he made a really nice defensive play in earlier in the game. It's good to see that Mike Yastrzemski is starting to play well. Uh, it's really good to see him playing well defensively, which gets overshadowed. He is a good outfielder, and he was a part of the Giants' win last night over the A's. It is a day off for the San Francisco Giants, and it's time for Farhan to get to work on a trade that will help make this team even better. He's got five days. The major league trade deadline is in within five days. Now, we know that Farhan has been on the margins He's already working on the margins. As a matter of fact, last night, Red Sox minor leaguer Marquise Johnson was traded for and will report to San Jose for San Francisco in return for uh, Mauricio Jovera. A 27-year-old pitch for the Giants in each of the past two seasons. I believe well, I, I, was his was that an oblique injury that he had? He, he Jovera was a guy that we saw a bit of, and then he got hurt, and then we saw a bit of him more, and then he got hurt. And then this bit that we saw wasn't particularly impressive, which is why Farhan, I think, um, just put him up for grabs to get something in return for him. But I don't think we're going to see, you know, Red Sox minor league righty Marquise Johnson coming in to save the day. There's got to be a move. A move for Farhan adding a pitcher, either from his own farm system or making a trade. And I've heard... You know, Justin Verlander's name actually attached to some San Francisco Giants rumors. Let's see if that wouldn't come about. It'd be nice to see Justin Verlander, and I heard he comes with a lovely wife, which will look great sitting in the wives and girlfriends section at the ballpark. Uh, Come on, Kate. We'd love to see you. Um, So we got an interesting time coming up for the San Francisco Giants, no doubt about it. Time for Farhan on an off day for his major league club to be working on a trade that could possibly change the arc of this season. The Giants are three games back of L.A. for second place. Uh, Starting on Friday, they got three games with Boston. Then they got four huge games with Arizona, uh, who they're just one game ahead of right now. Dodgers in first place, Giants in second place, Arizona one game back of San Francisco. Then you got the abbreviated Bay Bridge series beginning again in Oakland on August 5th. And once again, that's when we're doing our first Plus meetup at Victory Hall. I hope you can clear your schedule and come and join us in person at Victory Hall on Rich Street starting around 3 o'clock. I'm going to have the whole family there. The Duchess is even going to be in town and she She'll be in the corner uh, drinking probably, let's see, Linda's probably going to go Cosmo. Maybe Martini will get the Duchess just rolling. Maybe we'll even bring her out to the alley to get her into the ganja jar. 
Linda gets down. So look, uh, it is uh, a, a lot of a lot of big things coming up for the San Francisco Giants. A lot of big things coming up for Club Plus. Our first Club Plus in real life is happening on August fifth. And again, please keep an eye on my Twitter feed. I'm going to put it up on Threads. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to put it everywhere on on the gram even. And uh, we will hopefully use an Eventbrite sign-up sheet to get an idea of the headcount that we're going to be looking at for our August 5th meetup at Victory Hall. Really looking forward to that. Uh, one guy that the Giants won't be trading for, one guy that no team will be trading for, is officially now Shohei Otani. The Angels pulled him off the trade block, and not only pulled him off the trade block, they gave him, I don't know if it's reason to believe, that he could appear in the postseason for the first time in his career this year. But Shohei Otani's got new teammates. As of last night, the Angels acquired right-hander Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox. So a couple of pitchers, one of them, probably one of the biggest names to trade for at the deadline, uh, Lucas Giolito, is now in Anaheim. The Angels woke up today four games back at the final wildcard berth in the American League. Now, I don't know if they, you know, are fooling themselves here, but they're trying to get something out of the last couple months of Shohei Otani that they're probably going to have to enjoy and maybe trying to stack the cupboard of guys who will consider re-signing in Anaheim to keep on going in Southern California with Mike Trout, since that's what the Angels are probably going to look like next year once Otani leaves for brighter pastures, greener pa no, greener pastures. That's that's the saying. Um, and it's it's interesting. We got we got a very interesting short week for Major League Baseball. The trade deadline is five days away. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. Uh, how quickly will football be here? Football! Again, we're not quite there yet, but we are merely 42 days away from the first game of week one this season. We're 42 days away from the NFL season kicking off with the Lions at the Chiefs. You blink your eyes. You sneeze a couple times you are going to see football in front of you once again. Uh, hopefully, as you are planning your lunch today, you are going to see a delicious sandwich from Ike's in front of you. If you want to get one in front of you, all you got to do is open that Ike's app up and have one delivered to you from nearly 100 locations. I believe he is opening a new Ike's location today in Roseville, so he is a busy guy as always. And I can tell you right now, there are a couple new sandwiches coming to Ike's that are, I don't know how we would even describe them, premium sandwiches that are, I've already seen them. They look delicious and they're going to be available come August and we'll tell you about them. But I'm going to use two words that should get you excited. Wagyu pastrami. I mean, you had me at pastrami. Wagyu pastrami? Okay. Ike is going top shelf? I like that. 
If you're looking for a top-shelf sandwich, you're going to find one at Ike's. I can promise you that. If you're looking for some top-shelf liquor, well, check out my boys over at Blacken. But, by the way, it's not a top-shelf price point. It's a very approachable price point. So I want you to walk into BevMo, get yourself a bottle of Blackened. If you haven't tried Blackened, and if you'd like to, I can promise you we're going to be serving up some Blackened whiskey at our first Plus meetup at Victory Hall on August 5th. So come on by. We're going to have some swag to give away, maybe a bottle or two, maybe a jacket or two, maybe a T-shirt or two, some stuff from our friends at Blackened will be up for grabs at Victory Hall and maybe even a lumpia or two from our third and final and beloved San Francisco original sponsor, Hello Uncle Boys, a San Francisco original. If you are coming in or out of the inner Richmond, stop on Balboa and Fourth. Get yourself a burger at Uncle Boys. Get yourself a baggie of onion rings and also pick up that lumpia. Oh, my God, the lumpia are so good. Trust me. Trust Uncle Damon on that. Go ahead and take care of us by taking care of our sponsors. We'll deeply, deeply appreciate all of that. Again, we are 42 days away from football season kicking off. We are no more days away from Brock Purdy returning to the San Francisco 49ers. You talk about an impactful rookie year. He certainly had one last year when he was thrown into the fire. He helped the 49ers cook very, very well, and he is getting thrown back out onto the field today for the first time since leaving the field injured with a broken elbow uh, in the NFC title game. Obviously, he didn't break his elbow, but a minor tear of his UCL, which could have resulted in Tommy John. It didn't. Surgery happened. They repaired it. Uh, things have gone very, very well. And proof positive is the guy is back out on the football field this afternoon for the first time since leaving the NFC title game. That is a good day for the San Francisco 49ers. That is a good day for Team Brock Purdy. That is a good day for that entire offense. That's a good day for Kyle Shanahan to get a quarterback that he deeply developed a trust in and never lost sight of that trust. I'm not saying that, you know, he doesn't, trust Trey Lance or he might not trust Sam Darnold one day, but he does trust Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy earned that trust. A trusted agent. If I could borrow a saying from Jim Harbaugh. So he's back, back in the mix. And that is a good day for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I saw that Jalen Ramsey was carted off the field in practice today. Obviously, this isn't a 49ers story. This happened in Miami. But let's see what that looks like. Um, you know, NFL training camp injuries, if you avoid them, you're having yourselves a good day at training camp. You know, oh, but a backup quarterback was only six of 13 on his drop back pass. Shut up, dude. The incessant tweeting of statistical success or failure from training camp. Again, they haven't even put on freaking pads yet. Calm down. Here's a good day at training camp. No one got hurt. That's it. That's how you have a good day at training camp. No one was hurt today. That's all the 49ers are looking for. It's all I'm looking for in any training camp report. Everyone come back healthy? Yes, good day at training camp. 
So Brock is officially back in the mix for the Niners. That is good news. If you're a Jets fan, you got to be thrilled with Aaron Rodgers now being your quarterback. You really do. First of all, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? And all the, the nonsense that comes with Aaron Rodgers has been tamped way back uh, to the corner of the conversation because, man, Aaron Rodgers just took a $35 million pay cut. And what do you know? Along with that news, we see that Devin, uh, uh, Devin Cook is going to be visiting the New York Jets very soon. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, again, reworked a contract, according to an ESPN report, which he voluntarily reduced his salary by about $35 million over the next two seasons, which will give the New York Jets an awful lot more flexibility. Rodgers, who just uh, you know is 39 years old, he signed a two-year, $75 million contract, fully guaranteed, and he was due to make close to $110 million in guarantees on his previous contract. He gave that back to the Jets, and to say that this is an uncommonly large pay cut is pretty much uh, like the understatement of the year. Who's given back $35 million, especially to the team that he has just been, you know, traded for to become the savior of? So, look, Aaron Rodgers is also hedging a little bets and hedging some criticism. And if things don't go well for him, you know, the New York media can't turn around and say, well, you know, Aaron's taking up too much of the cap now. And that's why the Jets can't do that. No, 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 no. He's giving some back, man. He is really, really stepping into a New York market very well, very delicately. He's pushing all the right buttons. They love him on sports talk radio. That's good for Aaron because we know he's got rabbit ears. The first three-game losing streak that the New York Jets face this year, they're going to come for him. This ain't Green Bay, sweetheart. They are going to come for you, Aaron, whether you gave back $35 million or took $35 million. Eating Jets quarterbacks alive is a daily snack on New York Sports Talk Radio. So good luck with everything. Good luck with everything as you're, uh, as you're you know, planting goodwill in New York. It won't last very, very long. But... If you're a Jets fan, you officially get to be excited about Aaron Rodgers being your quarterback. I would not rob you of that. In another football story that borders on absolutely incredible, unbelievable. Folks, Coach Prime has got the entire damn university in the transfer portal. Did you see the story of what's happening with Colorado? Colorado, a former member of the Big 12, left the Big 12 to join the Pac-12, is now going to be going back to the Big 12. Now, there's still some paperwork to be worked out. As a matter of fact, they voted to rejoin the Big 12 before the Big 12's application to even take Colorado back, I guess has been agreed to like, that's how much Colorado can't wait to get out of the pac 12. And all I can tell you is if there weren't any bad news, there'd be no news 
for the Pac-12. It just keeps getting outmaneuvered as a conference at every single turn. All of them. You know, Larry Scott officially set up the Pac-12 to fail. The new the new commish, George Kliakov, he ain't stepping in solving problems. He's not. If you have no media deal, you have no ability to be a major conference. We are, you can count them, days away from the start of college football. And there's no media deal for the Pac-12? I mean, it feels like the conference has been slow playing this for several years. You know, well, we don't need a media deal because we got our own network. Okay, where can I find your network? You can't because there's no media picking it up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, the Big 12 got aggressive slamming a new media deal through. I remember when making fun of the Big 12 was very much the favorable thing to do because, well, you know, I mean, not only did they lose Nebraska, they lose Missouri, they're losing Texas, they're losing Oklahoma. Oh, shame on the Big 12. Well, Big 12 circled the wagons. They got a choice media deal done which expands and contracts based by based on who's coming into the conference which is now Colorado and let's be totally honest it's one thing to have a team leave a conference for new ground it's another thing entirely for having a team that left a conference to come to your conference look around and say basically Oh, man, this new conference stinks. And go back to the Big 12. And Colorado won one game last year. And they're like, we can do better. Because we can do it in a conference with a media deal. And all I can tell you, when it comes to being outmaneuvered at every single turn, the Pac-12 was 100% counting on the attention that was going to follow Deion Sanders and his tenure in Boulder for whatever media deal that they're going to turn around and try to sell to, whatever media company they're trying to sell it to. Why would you? What? Why? Why would you even want a media deal with the Pac-12? Because starting a year from now, there is no USC, no UCLA, and now no Dion and no Colorado to even sell as your game of the week, your interesting moment of the week. I mean, Oregon's going to have to crank out some unbelievable freaking uniforms on a Saturday-by-Saturday -Saturday basis for people to pay attention to anything going on in the Pac-12. Good God. What a disaster. For Colorado to go back to the conference that it left, it's not only savagely embarrassing, it is a devastating assessment of the Pac-12's future and how it's being run. Do you think that Lincoln Riley and Deion Sanders, before they took their jobs, were told 
by their universities. By the way, we're going to look to get out of the Pac-12 as soon as humanly possible. That's part of you coming here. Does that appeal to you? That's unbelievable. And what's maybe even more unbelievable is go back just 10, 15 years ago and think what would have happened if you had offered San Diego State what if you had offered the Aztecs a chance to join the Pac-12? Would they have jumped at that at the speed of sound or the speed of light? Like San Diego State would have gone ahead and started expelling kids in the name of, we can join the Pac-12, let's do that immediately. There's no doubt. Now San Diego State is like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know if we really want to get out of a conference that has a media deal, as paltry as it is, to join a conference without one. Can you imagine if the Pac-12 officially gets to the point where they're formally inviting in San Diego State and the Aztecs are like, nah, because that could happen. That could happen. San Jose State, this might be your shot. This might be your shot, the third team in the Bay Area to be a Pac-12 school. Oh, my God. The third team that basically nobody in the Bay Area cared about because Stanford and Cal ain't moving the needle either. Can you imagine the Pac-12 having zero footprint in Southern California, which thanks to USC and UCLA leaving this conference next year for the Big Ten, that's Big Ten country, baby. Los Angeles, Big Ten country. Unbelievable. And if you think for a second that now, well, that means since there's no real Pac-12 footprint uh, in Southern California, other Pac-12 teams can now come into L.A. and raid it with impunity. You're nuts. Every single one of those kids is going to be looking at like, oh, now I can go to Ohio State and Michigan and I, I can go to, I can stay at USC and play in a major conference that is sending out freaking Maria Taylor and Scott Van Pelt or whatever to host pregame. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is embarrassing what has happened to the Pac-12, and they have nothing more than their own poorly chosen now sequence of commissioners to look at and really shake the stick of blame at. You talk about biggest regressions in your lifetime. I don't know if we've ever seen anything happen anywhere like we're watching happen to the Pac-12. The Conference of Champions is setting itself up to essentially no longer exist. It's shocking. It really is. Uh, speaking of other shocking developments from the world of sports, before we step into Club Plus here, um, you know, I, I got to know Bamani Jones when I was in Paris, I was in Paris actually getting engaged to Jillian when I got a direct message from Bamani Jones, who I had never met before, but we had been following each other on Twitter. And I had been posting pictures of, hey, I'm in Paris. And he reached out to me and basically said, hey, man, I'm in Paris, too. So Bamani Jones, Jillian, and I got together for a fantastic lunch one day in a Parisian cafe, and we had a great time, and we got to know each other. And I have, I look at it this way, I was a fan of the guy before that moment. I've been a huge fan of him since. 
Uh, Bamani Jones is all kinds of smart and interesting. And that's what I'm attracted to. People who are smart and interesting. It is unfortunate that his level of smart and interesting doesn't attract the level of attention that it should. Saw recently that his show on HBO got canceled. And honestly, as much of a fan as I am of Bamani, I never thought that that show was really tailored to be a success with him. It felt a little overproduced, trying to be a little too cutesy. The vignettes thing that they did never really meshed up with his at-the-desk monologues that he was giving. The show felt... I could see it. I could see its run not lasting long. And that was unfortunate to me because I really liked him and I liked portions of that show. Um, what I didn't see was that ESPN would count him among the people who are not returning. It has been pretty much shared widely now that Bamani Jones will not be returning to ESPN or HBO, which means one of the single smartest sports voices, a contemporary interesting guy, is just being looked at as either don't need him, can't have the level of attention. Now, he's got the right time with Bamani Jones, which is a wildly successful podcast. And ESPN stepping away from that. My friends, what is happening with sports media, again, not just to me, but to other provably successful, consumed, what I hope I could even be considered an intelligent sports voice, the way that we are being discarded is not going to serve you, the sports fan, better on linear TV, but it will be absolutely servicing you better right here in the world of new media that we are living in. Welcome to YouTube. Welcome to your own podcast. Welcome to the content creator economy because these content distributors are not only losing the audience share that they used to enjoy, they're losing their marbles with some of the actual decisions they're making as to the talent they are either A, retaining, or B, letting go. It is a jungle out there. And there's not a lot of smart cats doing the hunting for these networks anymore. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable that a guy as good at his job as Bamani Jones is can be without a network home. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable than I am, to be totally honest with you. But that guy? Come on, man. You know, you got to know your level. He was officially at the level above me. And uh, he didn't deserve to be cast aside as the, yeah, well, let's go in another direction. Uh, at least I, I, it's just nuts to me. Absolutely nuts to me. Want to wrap up with two other quick stories before we get into Club Plus today. Uh, first, the fact that ownership change matters. Have you seen Washington Commanders practice training camp photos one year 
over the other. Last year, in the shot that I saw, there were basically two dudes sitting in folding long chairs, and that was the entirety of training camp attendance. There was no stands ever built for fans to come through training camp, and Daniel Snyder was just so awful that everyone essentially rejected giving him any money, any attention, or supporting the Washington franchise until he was gone. Fast forward to him now being gone, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of fans in attendance for Washington training camp. It's happening. And I can't help but see those pictures and think, an ownership change really matters. Fans respond to ownership change. If you're looking to solve the A's attendance record, don't build them a new stadium. Don't build them a new market. Just get rid of John Fisher. Replace him with anyone. And I even commented on this earlier on Twitter, or excuse me, X, whatever the hell it's called these days. And um, someone essentially said, well, the next owner would have to be the right owner. No, it wouldn't. I mean, I think we could throw a rock and hit a random person in the crowd and say, this person hit with a rock is now the next owner of the A's. They would be liked more. There would be thousands of people signing up for season tickets next year, just with a new face, not even knowing a thing about them. Owner, Oakland A's owner X would be more welcome than another minute of John Fisher. So ownership change matters. And the picture is worth a thousand words on that subject that I've shared already today on social media. And you can ask your, your, your grandparents, kids, but we are saying uh, RIP to a college football hall of famer and certainly a name that is a big name in college football history. Uh, Johnny Lujak passed away a couple days ago. I learned about it this morning. He is the oldest, I should say, was the oldest living member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He dies at the age of 98, happened uh, July 25th in Naples, Florida. In 1947, he won a Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame. He was a part of three national championships at Notre Dame. He lost but one game when he was at Notre Dame. He also lettered in basketball, baseball, and track, making him the first four-sport letterman at Notre Dame since 1912. Again, he was there in the 40s, and even though this is old man radio, you got to expect the old mans who clearly were greats. Johnny Lujak was great. He was also on the cover of Time Magazine, which made him about the most famous person in America for a week at a time when that was the equivalent of trending in a dramatic way. The cover of Time magazine used to mean an awful lot. So fare thee well, Johnny Lujak, and ask, ask your grandparents if they're still around, if they know that name. You might not recognize it, but your grandparents will. And on that, we also recognize that not all of you are watching on YouTube. As a matter of fact, many of you are listening to this in podcast form. Thank you so much for doing that. We will have more of it tomorrow when we go live at 11 a.m. 
every day, West Coast time on YouTube. That is turned around into the podcast. We are about to turn around here on YouTube and see what you've been chatting about on Club Plus. But for you listeners, I want to say thank you very much for listening to today. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.